0: you have a story to tell about a terrible medical conversation, I want to hear from you. Please email me at christine at ChristineMeyerMD.com. I can't wait for you to tell me more. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Tell Me More. I'm your host, Dr. Christine Meyer. On the show, we break down some of the worst conversations in healthcare. Why? Because I believe that together, we can build better ones. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Tell Me More. Today, we are talking with Jeff about a pretty common problem that happens to a lot of people. Basically, Jeff has had a symptom for a fairly long time and has had multiple medical interactions to try to figure out his problem from primary care to emergency room docs and everything in between. And really, hadn't had resolution for a long time. So in the course of trying to figure out this symptom, there was an evolution in not just conversations with healthcare providers, but with himself and kind of thinking maybe after all these interactions, there really isn't something wrong. Maybe this is all in my head. And I think this is something that happens more than we would like to admit. Our conversations as healthcare providers can definitely lead to lots of psychological downturns for patients who are experiencing a yet-to-be-diagnosed problem. So, Jeff, thank you for being here. Yeah, sure. All right. So I can't wait to hear your story because it's it's so fascinating from a medical standpoint and a scientific standpoint, but it's also just really important from a patient-doctor standpoint. The unknown, the uncertainty in medicine, which Certainly not why any of us went into medicine to kind of not figure things out, but it happens more than I like to admit. So tell me your story.
1: Yeah, sure. So a little over two years ago. So I'm a musician. So I, I've been playing music for many, many years at this point. You know, so about two little over two years ago at shows, I was starting to experience, you know, feeling like I might pass out in the middle of playing. And as a drummer, that's that's not so good. Remaining upright is is definitely key to playing drums. Right. <laughs> um, so it seemed real mild at first, and I was like, "All right, well, you know, maybe I didn't drink enough that day. Maybe I didn't have a good meal that day." And just I just kind of put it off. And then at one of the shows, I was playing, and I felt this like episode coming on again, and just got real heavy. And you know, I was. Looking out into the into the audience to find my girlfriend and be like, "Hey, I don't feel good." You know, I'm trying to get her attention to let her know I'm I'm in some trouble here. This isn't going well.
0: So your uh, your symptoms were what exactly? I, so that's so important because I think sometimes it's hard to actually verbalize or say very specifically what the problem is. Sometimes the problem is. I don't feel good, period. And for us doctors, that's so hard because we're like, (laughs) what do you mean? Like, tell me more about that. So describe for me to the best of your ability, like what exactly you were feeling.
1: Yeah, it it was just like this, out of nowhere, just started feeling like my arms were really heavy and my whole upper body just started feeling heavy as if I was going to pass out. Like it was like a bit of dizziness, but it was more just this heavy-weighted feeling, and, you know, it just, it was not good. <laughs>
0: yeah, and and until that time, it, this is not something you'd experienced in any other setting, right? It was really just, it started very mild, always while you were playing drums, yep, and never outside of that, and then at this particular show, it got so bad that you're sort of like, Looking out for help because you're really afraid, like something bad is about to happen.
1: Yeah, yeah, I wasn't sure I was going to make it through the set, and wow. I was like, "What do I do now? This is my band, and <laughs> you know, I gotta gotta somehow make it through." Which I did, you know, I got through that that day, and you know, afterwards was just exhausted, like out of nowhere, and it was like just felt like I'd been in a wrestling match with my hand's tied behind my back. Wow. You know, I was just exhausted.
0: So, so you, this is so funny because I know this happens to me too. And things that I'm very comfortable doing, like not playing drums, but let's say <laughs> what's a good example, like cooking for me. Like there are times when, you know, I'll see a pile of chopped vegetables on the cutting board and I'm like, how did that happen? Like, I have no, <laughs> like, I was not, you know, actively mentally engaged in this chopping. And yet here's this pile of vegetables. Is that kind of how it is when you're playing drums and you feel so awful, but somehow you get through the set and your bandmates aren't like, dude, you just missed that run or whatever. You
1: just
0: (laughs) do it. Is that what happens?
1: Yeah. It pretty much just got to the point where, so as, you know, things were going and the show was happening, you know, I essentially just disassociated from the whole process and just kind of let the kinesthetic memory take over and I was playing and even, you know, I was talking to the guys afterwards and I was like, yeah, man, I, I, I didn't think I was going to make it. And they're like, oh man, you, you still sounded great. And I was, I was wow. like, oh, well, that's good. You know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, I had uh, no idea. <laughs>
0: but, but so bad, so bad that you were just completely disconnected from the task at hand. For me, when I'm chopping those vegetables, I'm like, geez, it's a miracle of God that I didn't chop my finger off. <laughs> And it's never that I'm disconnected because I feel like I'm going to pass out. I'm disconnected because I'm distracted. I'm thinking about 20 million other things. But here you are physically feeling so ill that you had to remove your consciousness from your task so that you could just get through it. So that sounds pretty horrible. So then what happens? You feel awful the next day. You're tired. And then what? Yeah, I
1: was just tired. I was like, okay, well, let let me suck it up and go to the doctor And see if we can see if something's going on, and go from there. So I got an appointment with my, you know, primary care doctor, who I've been going to for years, and they're very, very cool. And went in and kind of went through the description process. And again, I mean, like you said, sometimes it's hard to describe what's really happening. Like in, you know, so I'm constantly, you know, sitting there in the waiting room. I was like, okay, how do I describe this? You know, what, what was I really feeling when, when these things are happening? So you know, the doctor kind of checks everything out, orders you know the basics, blood work. Let's just kind of see where levels are, and you know, I also had you know a bit of a pain in my side. It wasn't severe; like it was just something. I was like, well, maybe that's something too. I was like, so I threw that in the mix, and which side? Right side.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Okay.
1: And so then they're like, okay, well, the doctors kind of got keyed in on that. Aspect of it. I was like, okay, well, let's, let's look at that and kind of dig into some testing and see if that's, you know, something that's going on internally that's kind of creating this dizziness, like passing out feeling. And so off we went for the, the testing barrage. (laughs) (laughs) So we started, yeah, like I said, we started with basic blood work and then they're like, well, let's get like an x-ray of your ribs and everything and make sure like structurally we're looking okay. And of course that came back fine. The blood work came back fine. Mm-hmm. And then it was continuing to happen. You know, I'm still playing gigs at this point, you know, where time is now starting to pass. Cause of course, you know, it takes a while to get appointments to any place and mm-hmm. for the testing and, and things like that. So time is just kind of rolling by and I'm trying to get through gigs and I, you know, I had kind of gotten to the point where I could feel when it was starting to happen hmm. and 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 I could pinpoint it and basically again just get my head out of the gig and into concentrating on just like a point in front of me just to stay upright to get through the set
0: wow so during because during this this workup that your primary care doctor is doing your life and your gigs and your work has to go on right so you're not stopping you're just pshht, And now you've learned this almost adaptation, you know, what to do when you start to feel bad, but you still don't have an answer. So you've had some blood work, you've had an x-ray. Did you have any other imaging tests?
1: Yeah, we started going through different things. We got a heart echo done, which looked okay. And abdominal ultrasound, and that looked okay. And then, oh, right. That the first doctor appointment, they also gave me a COVID test. I didn't Uh, have any COVID symptoms, but they just threw it in the mix just because that's at that time, that's everything. it was everywhere. It was COVID. I ended up testing positive for COVID at the time with no no systems, with no symptoms. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow.
0: (laughs) So 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 were they like, oh, well, obviously this is a consequence of COVID or were they like, ah, this is probably a red herring.
1: Yeah. They went the red herring route. They're like, well, so you don't have any of the symptoms. You don't feel bad on a regular basis. Like do your quarantine, Mm -hmm. you know, but we don't think it's related to what's happening to you at the shows. I was like, all right, that's fine. I agree. Right. (laughs) So we went through all that and, you know, just test after test, coming back, everything's fine. And then they're like, all right, well, let's keep going on the internal side of things. And got referred to a GI specialist. I was like, okay, great. And so she was like, well, how about let's kind of start looking at the gallbladder. Maybe that's something that's going on there. And so they ordered a HIDA test and that was where they test the gallbladder function.
0: Wow. So wait a second. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I'm at, you know, obviously at an advantage because I know how your story ends and what your diagnosis actually is. But this is reminding me of Mini golf. All right. So, you know how when you play mini golf, and I'm terrible at mini golf, and this is why it reminds me of this. So, you know how you get to the end, right? And the hole is right there, and your ball's like four inches from it, right? And you tap, and it goes all the way around, and you tap. And next thing you know, like you've been at this hole for like 15 minutes, and you're on like your sixth. (laughs) tap and you just can't get it in the hole <laughs> but you keep at it. You know, this, this these are the moments when my husband would basically like just grab my ball and shove it in the hole and call it a day. <laughs> this is ex- this is what this reminds me of like now you're like getting gallbladder tests and and seeing a GI specialist and and nowhere along the way at least from what I'm hearing you say did you have like classic gallbladder symptoms? You're not nauseous, you're not sick after a cheeseburger you're you just have this pain in your right side but the big thing is this heaviness feeling like you're going to pass out in the middle of a set right that's that's the main symptom but at this point you're now getting gallbladder tests
1: yep and so so the Hida test actually came back showing low function it's like okay cool we found something out great Let's get it taken care of. We're good to go. You know, we'll, we'll knock this out. So the the GI specialist referred me to a surgeon. So it's probably get the gallbladder taken out and should be tip top. So I'm thinking great, fantastic. And now finally I'm at a point where okay, let me let people know stuff's happening. This is what's next. I'm going to be out of the gigging scene for a little bit, but you know, now we're in good shape. Mm-hmm. So I go see I got the appointment yeah. with the surgeon. Great.
0: To have surgery, you're not mad at all about that. You're like, woohoo, an explanation.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, there was mm-hmm. some kind of direction and an answer in my head. It was like, all right, right. cool. We're, we're getting this figure because we're now, we're about a year into the process at this point.
0: Oh my God. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so get the appointment, go to the surgeon. I'm all prepared. I'm like, all right, cool. I guess we do this consultation. Then that's it. Then we schedule it and off we go. So I go in for the consult. Mm-hmm. Surgeon comes in and she's like reading all my info and starts asking me the, you know, the typical questions, I guess that they ask before gallbladder surgery. And they're like, well, you know, how much pain are you in? What's the pain level? And I was like, well, it's really not that bad. It's not all the time. It's not after I eat noticeably. Like it's not really. She's like, oh, well, so by the end of the conversation, she's like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this surgery. You don't need this. You're not at that point. And I'm like, Oh, that was unexpected <laughs> mm-hmm. because I thought this was it. You know, we're, we're cool. This is our solution. And she's like, no, you just don't have the symptoms. She's like, it's not, I mean, yes, the HIDA scan came back low function, but that doesn't necessarily tell the whole story. If you were in pain and buckled over after eating a fatty meal or anything like that, then yeah, sure. I'd have you in the ER or in the operating table in. 10 minutes and and off we go, we get it done. But she's like, I'm not going to do this procedure on you when it's not necessarily something that you need at all right now.
0: So this is awesome. So let's pause for a second and recap the quality of the medical conversations you've had so far, because, you know, my goal with this podcast is really uncover missteps in communication between healthcare providers and patients in the hopes of, you know, making those conversations better. But from what I'm hearing you say so far, nobody's really been bad at talking to you or explaining things or it's just that you have a very hard to diagnose case and kudos to your primary care doctor for sticking with you and just kind of like really trying to work through. I'm a primary care doctor and I know how hard it is to try to find an answer to a very, you know, difficult set of symptoms. But then, you know, let's skip ahead to the surgeon, right? Because, you know, general surgeons send their kids to college because they do gallbladder surgery. And here you are with an abnormal gallbladder, a perfectly willing patient to have them do surgery on you. And the surgeon turns down the case, right? As like, this is not the right thing to do. So to me, that may have been an unsatisfying conversation because you didn't, Now you're back to square one, basically, Mm -hmm. but it is an excellent conversation because a surgeon that doesn't want to do surgery on you is doing the right thing if you don't need it, right? Is that kind of how you took it or were you just like, crap, another dead end?
1: Yeah. I mean, at first I was like, well, now what? You know, what am I supposed to do? I thought we were there, you know, but then, you know, and of course, in hindsight, it's like, well, I'm glad that they did that and didn't just you know, throw in a frivolous surgery just for the sake of it. And, you know, now it's like, okay, yeah, that, that was a good move, I I think. Right. On, on her part. So that was pretty cool.
0: So then what what's the next thing that happens?
1: So now we're back to square one again. So I go back to my primary care. I was trying to get a pretty quick appointment at that point. I was like, okay, I, I got to get back in. I got to get this figured out. So the next appointment available was a, with a different doctor at my doctor's office. And so I go in and and it was not a very good experience. Yeah, I I talked her through the whole thing again and was trying to explain what what's been happening, explaining the music thing. Mm-hmm. And she it, I just got the sense she she didn't really listen that well and she was trying to pin it on nerves and yeah. anxiety of being of performing. And I couldn't explain it to her that that Couldn't be further from reality, you know, at that point. I mean, I've been playing for years. I'm more comfortable behind my drums in front of thousands of people than I am in like a one on one conversation with somebody. Wow. So it's (laughs) so finally, I mean, I kind of gave up. I was like, okay, this isn't, this isn't correct. I just let Mm -hmm. her kind of do her thing. And then I left disappointed.
0: Did she offer you like some sort of anxiety treatment or? But she's just like, yeah, I'll just work through it or what?
1: Yeah. It was, it was more of a, you know, let's just kind of see how it goes. You know, maybe, you know, we could order more blood work and see if it's, if your levels are changing since it's been a while now since the first set of blood work. And I was like, uh, all right. Well, I'm clearly not getting anywhere with this particular doctor. So I, I actually contacted the office the next day. I was able to message with the doctor that I, saw regularly there who has always been fantastic. And I told her, I was like, look, I had a really bad experience yesterday. Like she was trying to put this on anxiety and there's no way that that's the case. She Mm -hmm. she just wasn't listening to what I was saying. And just, I felt really put off. And thankfully she was my regular primary. She was very, very apologetic. And she's like, we'll make this right. You know, let me, let me get you an appointment. Let's get you back in with me when I'm here and we can go over everything everything again she's like was very cool about it and they got me back in as quick as they could to see her Mm -hmm. so then you know went through the whole spiel and she said she saw the the notes from the surgeon and everything like that that they weren't going to go that route and so now we're now we're like grasping at straws we're like okay where do we go from here and you know i kind of said i was like yeah I'm starting to think it's in my head at this point. And she's like, "Well, we don't know." You know, she's like, "Let's do." So she she did another. She did do another set of of blood work. She's like, "Let's try some other things. Look at some different avenues on that side of things." They were still a little bit keyed in on the abdomen area. Mm-hmm. So she's like, "Well, let's get it. Let's get a CAT scan, and you know, see if we can get that happening. And let's also let's get a a brain MRI." Wow. Okay, Mm
0: -hmm. sure.
1: I mean, might as well. Let's let's just take a look. And she's like, she's like, more than anything, we want to rule out the really bad stuff. I was like, that's cool, great. Mm -hmm. Well, then you know, more testing results in fights with insurance companies because they don't want to approve the tests. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, you know, let's go. We got to get this done. So after a while, we finally got the MRI, the brain MRI approved. And so went and had that done, which naturally came back normal. So contrary to all my friends' beliefs, my brain is normal. <laughs> I have proof. <laughs> but then, okay, cool. Now what? You know, so insurance was denying the cat scan altogether. They're like, no, 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 no. They did a consult with the doctor. They still said no. And, you know, meanwhile time is passing. I'm still dealing with these episodes at shows. And I'm getting pretty fed up. So I guess now we're into I mean, we're into year two of trying to figure this out at this point. Unbelievable. And so this past fall I had had a really bad weekend of and had a pretty rough episode at a show. And actually, you know what? Before that issue, I actually I reached out to a new to a different physician office. And I was like, you know what, let me see if I can find a fresh perspective on this. And like in music, we, we talk about in music production, don't mix and master the song that you recorded yourself because you're so deep in the trenches that you might not hear it as clearly as someone with a brand new perspective on it. And uh, so I was like, all right, yeah, let's apply that <laughs> and see see what we can do. So I reached out to a new doctor. And she was very cool to start with and responded pretty quickly. And it you know, was almost fascinated by the whole thing. And, and it was like, well, let, yeah, let's get you scheduled and you can come in and and we'll talk about it. I was like, great. So I got an appointment. It was a couple of weeks out, which is fine. I didn't care. It was, at this point, it, it had been years. So I, I, didn't, I didn't mind waiting in two weeks to start again. But in that interim, I was playing a show and had a, almost really... It was a very short show too. It was just a, a cocktail hour type situation, and almost didn't make it through it. And yeah, you know, wow. I was looking to the guys for help. I was like, I, "We got to take a pause here for a second. I, I got to try to get it together in between songs and and get through the rest of this day." And then felt pretty miserable the rest of that weekend. So then I had a I have a studio here at my house, and so, so I was like, "Well, let me practice in the studio. Let me see if I can really." try to key in while I'm at home when I can just stop if something starts happening and see if I can figure out some more details to this. So I was doing a session and again, felt awful, started, you know, the weight, the heaviness and was about to fall over. I was like, nope, I'm done. You're at
0: home now. There's no, yep. you're not in front of people. There's zero reason for you to be anxious.
1: <laughs> yep, exactly, for sure. And
0: the same exact thing happens.
1: Yep. so I was like you know what I, and I'm done fighting with the insurance people at this point I was like I'm gonna force their hand I'm going to the ERA. the ER is going to do whatever test they want to do and it, that's just how it is because they're going to want to yeah I actually have a friend who works in the ER I kind of messaged him first I was like hey i I don't want to be the guy that shows up that isn't worth looking at in an ER because you know I'm not you know bleeding out or anything like that he's like no come in like and you know tell him it's you know, it's important and that, you know, it could be a heart thing. And I was like, okay, cool. Then you work there. <laughs> you're, you're giving me the go ahead. I won't feel guilty about coming in. And so, yeah. So I went into the ER and spent an entire day there. And
0: wow. You had more tests in the ER?
1: More tests. And mm-hmm. so we, you know, we started, you know, blood work, you know, EKG, all that kind of stuff that they immediately, they, they went, to the abdomen. They are like, let's do the CAT scan. Let's do the ultrasound on the heart and all that stuff. And yeah, after being there all day, they sent me off. Everything was fine. Everything looked normal. Although, you know, everything was cool. And I was like, oh gosh, I was so aggravated. But I mean, at the same time, I was like, okay, well, this indicates that it's not something major. So there's a little bit of a bright spot to it, but At the same time, I'm like, well, I can't keep going through gigs like this. So I I actually then, you know, gave up the next couple of gigs. I I subbed them out. I gave them to somebody else. I was like, I can't do that. Like, I can't do this to the band. I can't do this, you know, to the people I'm trying to work with. I'm not performing at 100%. Like, it's just, Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't do this until it's figured out at this point. Mm -hmm. And then that gets us to the new perspective.
0: So then you go to see this new doctor. Yes. And by this point, you've been to the ER, had another whole set of blood work, another whole set of testing, including a CAT scan, still no answer.
1: Yeah, so get out of the ER, nothing's different, everything's fine, and now I'm just like, ugh, this is so annoying. But I knew I had this appointment with a new doctor coming up. I was like, okay, cool let's see what happens there so i get to the new doctor appointment and i go in and uh doctor comes in and you know, so i start going through the full explanation of all the testing and you know all the symptoms and everything like that and she was very cool like she she sat down with me which was awesome and just kind of listened in an engaged way and was very, well, I guess one of the first things she said is she's like, you're, you're a very interesting case. She's like, I know a patient doesn't want to hear that, but this is very interesting and fascinating. And I was like, well, I mean, on one hand, bummer. <laughs> but on the other hand, it's like, okay, well, cool. She thinks it's interesting. So that means she'll be into getting this puzzle fixed and, and finding a solution. So that's what we did. We sat there, we kind of talked through everything. And one of the moments I kind of said to her jokingly, I was like, well, I kind of just want to bring my drum set into an office so that I can kind of replicate this somehow. Because there was just no way to to really describe what was happening without, I think, seeing it or just really feeling it happen in person. She's like, oh, yeah, we can do that. We can do that. But in lieu of that, though, we went with checking out a halter monitor. So she had some theories and wanted to look at what my heart was doing while I was playing, and so that was able to give us, you know, live information as if I were bringing my drums into the office.
0: Got it, got it. So you ultimately abandoned the idea that had been tossed around of like actually playing the drums in her office so she could observe what was happening in lieu of wearing a monitor to your actual sessions,
1: Exactly, exactly. We're going to do the monitor for two weeks and take a look at everything and see what we can see. So threw that on and my first thought was, now watch, I'm going to get to a gig and nothing's going to happen. Everything's going to be completely normal. But thankfully, odd enough as that is to say, thankfully... I did have an episode while I was wearing, <laughs> wearing, wow. wearing the monitor and none of them were major, but the, there was definitely a couple of times. I I gotten to the point when I was playing a show that I knew I was able to combat it somehow and you know, kind of basically disassociate myself from the gig and just concentrate on being upright and calm and... You know, kinesthetic memory just kicks in when you've been playing drums for so long that my hands were just kind of going on their own, and I wasn't thinking about it. I was just thinking about staying upright. Oh my um, gosh! Yeah, it was wild. <laughs> you know, so after the two weeks go by, yeah, then we you know, send the data in, and I get the phone call. Hey, we have the results. Can you meet online? I was like, yeah, absolutely. Let's let's do it. And. So then she asked me, she's like, okay, well, what were you doing at at this time on this day? I was like, okay, well, that was the second set of a gig I was playing. You know, what were you doing on this day and on this time? That was in the middle of a gig. What were you doing on this day, this time? Yep, I was I was, you know, in my studio recording. And I was like, okay, well, stuff showed up and and <sighs> so I was like, ah, great. Finally, it's not in my head. So then she kind of went through All the information with me is like, okay, well, this is clearly some kind of heart reaction, blood pressure spiking. You know, so we're we're seeing different kinds of waves happening. I don't know all the technicalities of it. All I was thinking in my head was like, okay, we're on to something. You know, there's something that is is actually happening, which means there's something we can fix. And she was like, okay, well, here's here's a theory. And so she went on to to talk about the vagal nerve and it's something I had never ever heard of before in my life. I was like, "Oh, this is new information for me and and something to learn and she's like, "The theory is that when i'm playing, you know the adrenaline's going, you know the blood pressure starts to go up, and the vagal nerve is overreacting to that stimulation and Clamping things down to the point of making me feel like, you know, it's a heavy drop, and making me feel like I'm about to fall over. I was like, "Well, that's interesting." And then in my head, I'm starting. I was like, "That does make a certain sense." So now I'm starting to feel better about things. I was like, "Okay, well, what do we do now?" <laughs> She's like, "Well, easy. We're gonna try a very mild beta blocker." and you know small dosage and see if that kind of regulates the blood pressure to kind of lock it into a box essentially and that way it won't the vagal won't be overstimulated and overreact to the changes and to kind of keep things evened out and that way theoretically you won't feel like you're going to pass out at a show and I was like oh so I take a half a pill every day. And that's, that's what we're doing. And that's, that's where we're at. She's like, yep. It's like, okay, I can deal with that. So
0: Were you like, okay, there's like a 50-50 chance this is going to do something. Or you're like, this is going to be another dead end, but what do I have to lose? Like, how did you feel about this plan?
1: I was just ecstatic to have the most concrete thing I've had in two years you know, Mm. as, as far as a proposed solution, a a proposed diagnosis that I was, I was all in. I was like, great, let's go. (laughs) You know, know, absolutely elated walking out of the doctor's office when we kind of decided that that was the course we were going to try. I, I didn't care what it was like, I didn't care, you know, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. I didn't care. I just cared that it was something, it was something concrete. It was, A direction. It was, you know, something that made sense to me. So I was like, yeah, let's, let's do it and see, see what happens. So get the prescription filled, start taking the little tiny half of a pill. And, you know, next couple shows, I felt pretty good. It's like, all right, nothing happened. Cautiously optimistic. And maybe, maybe we're finding a result here. And a couple more shows go by. No problems. And so, you know, I get the follow-up appointment with the doctor and I go in. And now I'm just in a completely different mental state. You know, now I've been through, you know, three, four weeks of shows with no problems. I'm able to, you know, concentrate on my playing. And, you know, there's still that little tick of anxiety there because, you know, now I've, I've basically been through two years of playing of not feeling my best and concerned that well you know I got I have to have this thing on my mind so I know how to deal with it if it pops up in a show and and keep myself on track but now it's starting to kind of go away and I'm starting to feel comfortable just letting go at a show and and starting to be able to make music the way I want to make music again
0: hmm and how long has it been now on this little half pill of beta blocker
1: I th- what was at the end of November. So I guess it's about two months now, wow. um, two and a half months and not a single issue. And
0: Wow. I, I'm knocking on everything in, that's right? wood in my vicinity. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. So, okay. Knowing something about the vagal nerve and Basically, vasovagal syncope is a thing where you know people have an adrenaline rush for whatever reason, and their vagal nerve overreacts and causes heart rate drop, blood pressure drop, and that that initial stimulation could be anything. Like for some people, it's fear. You know, like they're about to get a blood draw and. You know, the anticipation of that makes them faint, or they just had an injection and the pain of that makes them faint. Some people, it's like straining to have a bowel movement and the adrenaline rush of that makes them faint. So for you, it wasn't really a fear thing. It was more like the adrenaline rush of what you love to do, which is like getting into the music and like the physical exertion of playing drums aggressively that was in theory, causing your vagal nerve to overreact. And then by, you know, kind of tamping down that sympathetic response, that adrenaline with the beta blocker, it allowed your vagal nerve to chill out and not overreact. And for you, all of that backstory science is cool. But what you care about is that you're able to play again without feeling like you're going to faint. So That's amazing. It's such a simple but not so simple thing because none of the tests you've had so far were actually done while you were playing the drums. You know, you had tests either, you know, in between episodes or just after an episode, but no one was really monitoring you during the actual symptom, which proved to be key to the whole thing. So, because this podcast is about communication between patients and healthcare providers, I mean, there's so many good parts to your story. First of all, you love your doctor. Your doctor you've been with a long time really tried to help and there was no, you were never blown off. You were never dismissed. Like, you know, all along she was right there with you. Had one pretty negative experience with that practice, but they did an about face as soon as you mentioned it. So still you have a lot of confidence in this practice and this doctor. Mm -hmm. You have an interaction with a surgeon who, you know, I would classify that as an excellent interaction because they didn't do something that would have ultimately proven to be the wrong thing to do and would have been potentially risky. And then you interact with a bunch of, you know, people in the emergency room and they, their job is to make sure you're not dying that you don't step out of that ED and collapse. And that would have been, you know, bad form on them. So they rule out all of the, you know, emergency, life-threatening stuff. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, so this new practice, this new doctor really, I mean, they was just a fresh set of eyes, right? So like you said, this is a new producer for the same <laughs> the same right. music you've been playing yeah. for a long time. <laughs> So, what would if you were talking to patients, and you are right now because the bulk of our listeners are patients? So, if you're talking to a patient who has a a nagging symptom, and it's not like they've had terrible interactions with doctors, just that they don't have an Mm -hmm. answer, what would your biggest piece of advice be to them?
1: I'd say, I mean, don't be afraid to go to somebody else. Like, even if you are, like, like you said, I, I was, I'm perfectly happy with the regular practice I was going to, but everyone's still a person you know everyone is still has you different man. training and yeah yeah and you know different ideas on things so there's nothing wrong with a fresh perspective at all i even told my previous doctor i was like look i'm going to this doctor to get another opinion get a fresh set of eyes on and they were absolutely open to it. They're like, "Great. If this helps, then cool. We're on board. <laughs> do what you got to do. It's okay with us that you're talking to someone else. We're not going to be offended that you know you went to get a, a fresh perspective on it."
0: Well, I think that's really important to talk about too. I think that you know, as a doctor, like if I'm working with one of my patients and I'm not getting them where they need to be. They're not getting better. And they say to me, I'm going to get another opinion. There is inside, to be honest, like a little tiny, like, that doesn't feel good. You know, like Mm -hmm. I said earlier, like we're in the business of always being the best, always getting the answer, (laughs) always finding the solution. Cause that's what, you know, type triple A, you know, (laughs) doctor people do. That's just our Mm -hmm. persona. But once I suppress that little ick, right, I want what's best for my patient. I I want my patient to be okay. And so I think the test of a true professional and a true patient advocate is just that, you know, how do they react to the idea that, Hey, it's nothing personal, but I, I need to figure this out. And, you know, thank you. You've been, you've done all you can do, but I need to get another opinion. So the medical professional that's able to say, yes, I want what's best for you. The medical professional that suppresses the ick (laughs) is the one to stick with. Honest to God. The medical professional that's like, hell, you know, you're here. Let me just take you to the operating room. What do I have to lose? I've got a kid to put through college. That's. Not the medical professional that I would, you know, put away up on my list of best professionals to go to or right. the medical professional that's like, oh, I've been you've been coming here for 15 years. Like I, I've given you all the time in the world. I've done every test. Like, how could you possibly go to somebody else? That is probably not the medical professional for you. So I think honestly, Jeff, I feel like your story is full of mostly good stories. In terms of medical professionals, would would you say that?
1: Right. Yeah, I agree. I mean, as frustrating as the whole process was, there really—I mean, minus that one little incident—there really wasn't a terrible time. Like it was, it was just we couldn't figure it out. And just that
0: frustration. Was,
1: that was it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's funny. I, I was. As we were going through it. I was. There's so many parallels in the music world too. It's it's like the musician who. Okay, maybe you call me for a studio session for one this style of music is like, well, maybe I'm not the best fit in that particular style, but here's another guy that plays that style really well. You know, it's,
0: as a professional in
1: anything, you know, I think everyone kind of has to put the ego in check and it's like, well, you know what? I'm happy to do it and happy to get the paycheck to do the session or to make the (laughs) diagnosis or run the test or do the surgery. But you know, maybe this part, maybe if you get something, someone a little different, they might have a, a different perspective and it might turn out to be a better angle. You, you never know.
0: Right. Oh, that's such a great parallel. So, so you, as the musician who maybe doesn't get the gig, you're not offended because you've got plenty of gigs that you are going to get that are, you know, absolutely in your wheelhouse. Exactly. So, let me ask you the hardest, maybe not the hardest, but, you know, yeah, I think it's a hard question. It would be hard for me to answer. So, now that you've, you're on a better path. Hopefully, hopefully, this will never happen to you again. Mm-hmm. Do you go back to your original doctor because you have history with this doctor? You've been with this doctor for years, right? It's just mm-hmm. this one mm-hmm. thing that you had to kind of like take a little sidestep from.
1: Yeah, I, and that's the point where I am right now. It's like, okay, well, I need to make a decision. Do I do I stick that out or, or do I make the change? I mean, I, I mean, honestly, I'm leaning to making the change for no other reason than I had been with that doctor a long time, but it's, again, it's good to kind of start fresh somewhere. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with, you know, trying different things. And, you know, I think the relationship I have with, you know, the previous doctor is, you know what, let me, let me give this new practice a try. And if that doesn't go well, I can just go back and that's, Mm -hmm. it's not going to be awkward. It's not going to be a thing. You know, it's the, I'm sure they would welcome me back if I, if I come back at some point, but I'm of the the mindset of what what's going well right now. What's what's you know what yeah. what got me where I am right now, and you know the the reward I guess is hey, I'm going to stick with you. You you got me here, so that's that's where I'll go.
0: Right. Oh, well, I think that's a very you know mature way to look at it. Like staying with the doctor that ultimately helped you find the right path in no way detracts from all of the past great things you had with the other doctor and you're you right. left that door open which is awesome it's so funny it makes me think of my grocery shopping which is such a <laughs> weird thing to say but you know in in our area I have we have all sorts of stores near us right so we have Whole Foods we have Wegmans we have Giant and I don't have a lot of time you know so mm. I don't generally like to hop between stores. Like I want to go to one store and get everything. But lately I found like Whole Foods produce is way better. Right. But <laughs> I can't get my freaking like 409 at Whole Foods. I right. have to get like this, like <laughs> green stuff, which doesn't clean nearly as well. So then I find myself, you know, ah, uh, do I just go to Wegmans and suck up the crappy produce and get everything in one stop? Or do I go to both places And to be honest, lately, I've been going to both places. I go to Whole Foods. I get my produce there. I go to Wegmans. I get all my basics there because I feel like that investment is worth my time. Like I might not go to seven stores to find like the cheapest thing, but in this one thing, it makes sense to have both options. And if Wegmans gets their act together and starts getting better produce, like, great. (laughs) I, I want to go to one place. You know what I mean? So, you know, to be determined, right? Like, we'll just see what happens, but at least preserve, you know, both paths as an option. I love your story, Jeff. Thank you so much for sharing it. I hope that your little tiny half a pill continues to work (laughs) for you. Please feel free to reach out to me if, uh, if there's more to your story, I would love to hear it. But I think you've you've really touched on some critical things that hopefully will help a lot of people. So thank you for that. Yeah, cool, cool. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of Tell Me More. If you have a story, a diagnostic dilemma, or a communication story, or an interaction with a medical provider that went great or didn't go so great, and you think can help other patients, or, you know clinicians do better, please reach out to me. Email me at christine at christine com, or go to my website, com, and you'll be able to message me that way. I'm looking forward to hearing your story. Thanks, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Are you ready to join our conversation? Just go to Facebook and search Christine Meyer MD. Follow us to join 14,000 other people committed to creating better conversations in healthcare.